Marvel Studios face backlash for adding Israeli superhero Sabra. They are known as being shitty, and so they're trying to infiltrate popular media through Marvel. They're trying to colonize the Marvel universe. One universe, not good enough. If you give a mouse a cookie, he'll build an apartheid state. <laughs> Shenstone Palestine action folks had their camp raided by the police. They arrested 14 of the activists, have shut down two facilities. They're working on the third, and the Shenstone location is not long for this world. Government has clearly stepped up its response, a shift away from here's a cup of tea and ramen to we're raiding this camp, we're shutting this down. Yeah, I think now it's just a cup of tea. Exhausted the ramen budget. UK needs to spend public funds on protecting pedophiles. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you named your superhero after a massacre. Before we get into today's episode, like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. And if you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. Marvel Studios face backlash for adding Israeli superhero Sabra. Yeah, of course. Her superpowers are deflection and cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Yes, totally. But so when this first was announced, I saw people on Twitter, Palestinian activists, right? Being like, she is an anti-Zionist superhero. She finds out that this Palestinian boy has died and then decides that she feels bad for him or whatever. And I was like, what am I reading? The Hulk had to convince her. Yeah. The Hulk had to convince her that she that the boy, the Arab boy, was a human. That's what the cartoon says. What? Right. That's what the comic people, says. People were legitimately tweeting she is an anti-Zionist superhero because she goes against the Mossad, the institutions, and realizes that the Palestinian boy is human. And I'm like, okay. And then you see the actual image, the the graphic. The Palestinian, of course, is referred to as the dead Arab boy, right? Totally. And that was Al Jazeera. (laughs) Right. Totally disgusting and plays into the Zionist trope of, you know, negating us as Palestinians. But, But what a weird story right i i am not into marvel in by any i don't i've never seen a marvel movie i don't know anything about them i don't know if this is like consistent with the whole franchise of it being just like a glorification of like police and you know and yeah, uh, very pro-military very yeah, yeah exactly 
Yeah. So I, I don't mi- know. We call military propaganda <laughs> is what we call that. <laughs> or as as Goebbels called it, delicious. Right. So so it is in line with the previous everything what we know about yeah. it, right? You have to wonder the people that were involved in making this decision and approving this and saying, no, this is what we're gonna do. Do they not read the news? Because I mean, you have all of these announcements of Israel's an apartheid state that just the flurry of organizations, the UN, all of this saying Israel's an apartheid state around the same time that this decision was being made. Don't you think they would have wanted to stay away from the controversy, even if they themselves are, there's probably a few Zionists on board, right? Making these decisions. It can't be good for business, right? Nobody wants that type of controversy associated with something that is supposed to just make money and attract people, you know, in the millions. I don't know. That's just, even if you don't care about Palestinians, right? Seems like a shitty time to to make this decision. It was probably already in the works from years ago. And they and then they were like, oh shit, it's an apartheid state. Well, you know. Also, I don't really think the people at Marvel are doing a bunch of human rights reports reading, you know? Yeah, but you don't even have to, because it, it it broke through the mainstream media, right? Even if it was just mentioned in passing, why try to sell something to the entire world? Because that's what it is. They're trying to sell this story to the entire world. When you know they need any positive press, like this is their redemption in public image. Like they are known as being shitty. And so they're trying to infiltrate popular media, right? Through the Marvel universe. Yeah. They're trying to colonize the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. Because they're like one universe, not good enough. Mm -hmm. We need more. We need more. If if you give a mouse a cookie, he'll build an apartheid state. <laughs> yeah, I don't I just I don't get it. You know, I don't I don't get the whole using Israel to sell things because no matter what you think about Israel, you know that there's gonna be a significant portion of the world that's gonna be like, uh-uh, not okay with this. Yeah, there's a reason that they don't stamp people's passports directly, and it's because they know they're the bad guys. Exactly. So good luck with that. Um, That's uh... (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Will not watch that in the same way that I have not watched any of the others. I will be boycotting it in the same way that girls who didn't want to hook up with me in high school... I was boycotting them too. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, obviously, I've seen a lot of the other commentary, people talking about how in, how especially disgusting it is that the that the so-called superhero's name is Sabra, and making the connection, of course, with the Sabra and Shatila massacre. They also named a hummus yeah. brand, brand Sabra, which is on the boycott list. Yeah. And, they have no shame. They'll call anything so like it doesn't matter, you know. And 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 why 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 they took this word that is of course an Arabic word? I have no idea, right? Sabra is the the plant as well, right? Like the cactus. Imagine there's probably more than one meaning to it. 
because the the way that I know the word sabra, it, it's somebody who has patience. Root word for patience is sabr, and sabra is one who has patience. But I imagine it probably has another meaning as well. I'm sure if I were to type like sabra, sabra in Hebrew, sabra is an informal turned formal modern Hebrew term that defines any Jew born in Israel. Right. I heard about that. So like their parents will, will brag that they're not Sabras, but like their children are, or like they have one child who is a Sabra because like they were born one after they moved. The term came into widespread use in the 1930s to refer to a Jew who had been born in Palestine. In Palestine. That's literally what Wikipedia says. Thanks, Wikipedia. Like, thank you for admitting. May have appeared earlier since the establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. Israelis have used the word to refer to a Jew born anywhere in the quote unquote land of Israel, inclusive of the Israeli occupied territories. The term alludes to a thorny desert plant known as the prickly pear. The cactus is compared to Israeli Jews who are supposedly tough on the outside, but delicate and sweet on the inside. That's what Wikipedia says. What? Or it's because they're all fucking pricks. (laughs) Yuck. Very disgusting. Very icky. The vibes are vomit. They took the word from us and then they gave it a different meaning. It's an Arabic word. They took it. They were like, okay, we're taking this and we're going to give it a meaning of something that we need to exist, which is the notion of being native born in this land. Like we need to create a category for this so that we can further assert our legitimacy in this land because we don't have any to begin with, but we have to fabricate it. Herzl hates it. Yeah. He's like, no, you idiots. We're the colonizers. They're the native people. <laughs> right. you, guys you guys are fucked up are Zionism. fucking confused. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how much Herzl would hate modern day Zionists? Yes. Truly. They're like, they're like, we're indigenous to this land. And Herzl's like, ew, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, we're you fucking moron. <laughs> Didn't you read my books? Like, I wrote a whole fucking diary of nonsense fucking manifesto shit and you all didn't read it about how to be a settler it's a settler colonial society you know what though i am glad about one thing and that is that they literally cannot do anything in public without receiving backlash exactly so do whatever you want try to exist in the public sphere as an apartheid state no problem keep telling everyone that you know you're not you're not the bad guys, but everywhere you go, we are going to follow you and we are going to make the news and be very loud about the fact that you are one of the greatest human rights violators of our time. (laughs) Everywhere they go, death follows them. Yeah, They have a black cloud bigger than Dick Cheney's bank account. And they can't get rid of it. So cool. Like if you want to invite them to your party, just know that it's going to be Israel plus black cloud. And the hummus is going to be trash. Exactly. No olive oil. No olive oil. I mean, that's dry hummus. That's so gross. It's like, (laughs) it's really gross. Like you just said that. But they're strong. They're strong, prickly people. (laughs) But they're delicious. They can handle it. They're delicious on the internet. Their throats don't need the oil. They prefer to chafe. 
You had a visual image of dry hummus and had a fucking mental image. I like, did. Panic. It was gross. <laughs> the Shenstone Palestine action folks had their camp raided by the police. They arrested 14 of the activists. Loki had a full performance there after we released the episode last week with interviews from the activists involved in the campaign to shut Elbit down. They have shut down two facilities. They're working on the third, and the Shenstone location is not long for this world. Yeah, so basically they raided this camp after our episode came out. Yeah, and I just spoke with some of the activists on the ground. They're back in the woods holding down the encampment once again. They want people to know this message, which is fuck the pigs, and they will be there indefinitely until the place shuts down. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the government has clearly stepped up its response against the activists. I mean, when you compare the way Max was describing the response by the police at the first couple of actions versus what we're seeing right now it seems like a shift away from here's a cup of tea and ramen to we're raiding this camp we're shutting this down they want this to be over yeah i think now it's just a cup of tea (laughs) they've probably exhausted the ramen budget at this point yeah Because these activists are getting arrested all the time. So you can't possibly keep giving them ramen. That's true. I mean, I'm right. UK needs to spend public funds on protecting pedophiles, right? (laughs) That is where their bread and butter goes. Also, nobody should eat that much ramen. It's, you know, like you can't have that every day. It's probably not. Oh, wow. You're very, that's very considerate of their diet. I don't know. How often are they getting ramen? You're like, you gotta add some fruit and veg. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah. So anyways, uh, back to serious news. The Palestine Action folks, they are currently being persecuted by the government of Britain for their activism, for their involvement in shutting down these facilities. So we do need to mobilize We do need to raise awareness. You can go to palestineaction.org and they have five steps that you can take to engage. Just be involved and, you know, get the word out about this. Yes, absolutely. I would definitely encourage everybody listening to check out the Palestine Action website, see how you can get involved and see how you can support. They're doing super, super essential work. And it really is this new frontier of resistance in exile against the occupation. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the apartheid state's increase in attacks on the occupied West Bank in the month of September. The Electronic Intifada has reported that six Palestinians have been killed since the beginning of September in the occupied West Bank. The Israeli occupation has stepped up its attacks on the occupied West Bank this month. And uh, these, these latest deaths come amid fears that... The Palestinian Authority is failing in its task of protecting Israel and its settlers. Making a prediction right now, they're going to use that as a pretext to be like, that's why we have to have occupation soldiers at like at the West Bank. Like, they're not, you know, it's like they're not doing a good job. We exactly. tried to give it to the Palestinian Authority, exactly. but they can't handle it. So we're going to come in. And it's like, well, first of all, you're already there, right? You guys man the checkpoints and stuff. 
So, but they're going to be like, no, no, we need bases. We need, you know, and it's like, they're going to continue to try and entrench their grip in the West bank, continue to try and displace people, harass people, lower the quality of life to drive people out. The reality is, Michael, they don't even need a reason because nobody challenges them. So it doesn't even matter. Right. right? Right. At the end of the day, they're just having a conversation with themselves. So early. I actually heard that that I heard that Marvel superheroes uh, superpower is avoiding the International Criminal Court. That's what I heard. So last week on Thursday, an occupation soldier shot and killed a Palestinian teenager in Baytan village near Ramallah. Haytham Hani Mubarak, the occupation soldiers, of course stole Mubarak's body after killing him. Mubarak was a high school student and uh, his picture was seen on social media after his killing. Really, really nice, lovely smile and and looks like a, looks like a great kid. On Wednesday morning, Israeli forces also fatally shot Yunus Hassantaya with a bullet to the chest in the Al-Fara refugee camp near Tubas. The day before that, the occupation forces also fatally shot another Palestinian man, Mohammed Sabana, who was live streaming video of their raid on the city of Janine on TikTok. Can you imagine? Like, this is the extent to which <laughs> social media usage has been ingrained in and and woven into the just the fabric of of the reality of daily life for Palestinians. Like we saw it in May 2021 when. Palestinians in Gaza were live streaming or went live on on Instagram on all all of the social media platforms. Obviously their their lives would get taken down and then they would glitch or whatever, but they were live streaming the Israeli missiles hitting their residential buildings. And now you have a Palestinian from Janine who was live streaming on TikTok and was fatally shot by the occupation just last week. I bet you nobody even heard about this, but it's being reported by the Electronic Intifada. These things are happening on a daily basis. They just don't get the attention that they deserve. Around 15,000 people were watching Mohammed Sabana's live stream at the time when he was shot by Israeli occupation forces. He was filming the revenge demolition of a house owned by the family of Ra'id Hazem, a Palestinian from the Janine refugee camp who shot and killed three Israelis last April. That is such a fucked up term, revenge demolition. Yeah, That's probably their official term too, right? They're like, he was involved in something and we're going to fuck up his house and his family's going to pay. It's like, what? That's That's a policy? The occupation also killed Hazem hours after the attack. So basically they come and then they bulldoze his house. And then they kill him hours later. So his family now is without their father and also without a house. The Electronic Intifada reports that such punitive home demolitions, which Israel carries out against the families of Palestinians, it says carried out attacks on Israelis, but never against Jews who attack Palestinians, are a form of collective punishment, which is, of course, forbidden under international law. Meanwhile, there's a guy who murdered Palestinians who's on TV laughing about the shit recently. Or the soldier and by that i mean any anybody who goes on israeli tv yes the soldier who was given a hero's welcome after he killed a palestinian and now is like revered as like some sort of a national icon what is his name piece of shit i believe yeah no, this is like a very famous case. Uh, he went to jail for like eight months or something. This was in 2018. Israeli soldier filmed killing Palestinian, was released from prison, 
after serving nine months for shooting dead an injured Palestinian in 2016. And he received a hero's welcome. And the photo on the cover of Al Jazeera is just his mother just embracing him. Like it looks very, it look, it looks a little, I don't know. I mean, you, you should look at looks it. Looks a little royal family. <laughs> looks a little Game of Thrones. Elor. Yeah, that's his name, Elor. Sounds like a bridge troll. His mother is just like, look at him, look at him. Oh, my poor, like, 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 like as if he's the victim. Like he's the victim. Look at him. He's smiling. He's so thrilled. She's she's like grabbing his face. I see. She's yeah. She's all she's over. She's very him. she's very proud that she raised a murderer. Oh yeah, right. So this guy was one of <laughs> these the- are the people I meant to feel sympathy for, allegedly, according to CNN. Yeah, but this guy is an anomaly, right? Because the apartheid state never prosecutes any of its soldiers for killing Palestinians. That's what you're well, supposed to do. They filmed it, so they had to do something. Right. Like they they hate that they had to do something, right? But they're like, you fucking filmed it, you idiot. You know what now, I mean? Just don't film it next time. Right. But if somebody else films it, it's fine. Because that's what happened with Shireen Abakla. Like somebody else filmed it. If somebody it, else films it, they could get fucking clapped. And then they like were the like, guy who was streaming on TikTok. Uh, or in Shireen's case, somebody else filmed. And then they were like, yeah, it was probably all our soldier, but we're not going to do anything about it. That's our official statement. Write it down. Right. Well, no, hold on. First, their official statement was it was Palestinian gunmen. Right. Yes. That was their official line. Yes. Then. When they got caught on film, they were like, okay, maybe it was us. Maybe. You know what I mean? Perhaps. And now they're like, it was us. Uh, come on. You knew. We knew. And it's like, yeah, we fucking knew, you weirdos. Everybody knew. You're not going to do anything about it. Meanwhile, Ned Price yeah. is somewhere in a, in an office. Ned <laughs> Price is like, la, 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 la. He's still being like, we call on an an independent. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're waiting on an impartial investigation. He's still still calling for an independent investigation. It will never happen. He's like, we await for the Israelis to give us something to say. We are waiting for more information. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they actually admitted. They already said. He's like, listen, we are going to wait. Yeah, but this Elor Azari thing is, is brutal because this murderer, right, was initially sentenced to 18 months in prison for killing Abdel Fattah al-Sharif in the occupied West Bank city of Hebron in March 2016. However, the army's chief of staff, because this guy has this power, reduced the term by four months. Again, the army is allowed to reduce the term of a soldier who murdered a Palestinian and filmed it. And then... He was freed even two days earlier than that because he needed to attend his brother's wedding. Can you imagine just the, the, the great Zionist reception that he was given probably at his brother's wedding? Ew, gross. Yeah, this guy looks like the main character in the movie Ants. <laughs> that was a good one. So the video that he filmed shows Al-Sharif, 21, lying wounded on the ground, shot along with another Palestinian. And around 11 minutes after the initial shooting, uh, Azaria, the occupation soldier, walked up to Al-Sharif and shot him in the head without any provocation, just came up and shot him in the head. And his excuse was he feared that Al-Sharif was wearing an explosive belt and could blow himself up at any time. 
a claim which judges rejected. I mean, remember, there was a video on the guy, right? But they just lie. They just say anything. And the, and the crazy thing is about people who just say anything, they trap you in their reality where you have to respond to the things that they say, even if they're completely yes. detached from reality. So you're that's why we now. never address. That's why we don't even talk about it. We just say this is what they said. Obviously, everybody knows he's lying. He just saw a Palestinian and he's like, they could spontaneously combust. <laughs> exactly. Guess which son of a bitch tweeted at him after his release. It's so good to have you home. Miko Pellet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the then minister of Zionist education, Naftali Bennett, tweeted, it's so good to have you home. Wow, he was the minister of education? Yes. That guy is stupid. That guy looks like the type of guy who enjoys burning books. And the then minister of transportation and intelligence, which is weird, because usually in most countries, it's just like minister of transportation. But in apartheid Israel, it's minister of transportation and intelligence. Like everything has and intelligence added on to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That guy said, I appeal to the president to act now to delete Elor's criminal records so that he can integrate into civilian life and get on with his life. Oh. And I, I implore the prime minister to delete all Palestinians. <laughs> yeah. So that they cannot go on with their lives. Right? Yes. So that their lives end. Because that is what this country is based on. <laughs> that is the point of all of this. <laughs> That is the end goal. That's why final all- solution, if you <laughs> will. <laughs> Can you imagine if they actually came out and said that? Well, they're like, listen, okay, okay. we're trying to rebrand it. <laughs> it's still got legs. Like <laughs> it's fresh in everyone's mind. I think this episode is called Rebranding the Final Solution. <laughs> Getting back on track to the Electronic Antifada article, Palestinians who were killed in September. On September 1st, Samar Mahmoud Khalid was killed after being shot in the neck during an Israeli raid in the Balata refugee camp near Nablus. Israeli occupation authorities claimed that he was killed by Palestinian gunfire, and it circulated video of Palestinians firing their weapons into the air as supposed evidence. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's the story they run every day. Every day. Every day, there's a guy at his desk somewhere in the apartheid state, and he's got a file on his desktop, one video of some masked guy somewhere shooting his gun up into the air. And then he releases that video and goes, well, that's how he was killed. Right? Obviously, this is totally identical to how the apartheid state first tried to explain away the killing of Shreen Abu Akhla. But of course, we know that they admitted that they were most likely the reason. What are some of the other likelihoods? Just say it. Just say it. Like, you did it. Own it. You know, just own it. You know, the the problem I have with Zionists is the lying, to be honest. I... I always Oh, really? For me, it's the murder. I'm a big... I'm not a big murder guy. (laughs) But I always say... Jews used to really be about do not kill and do not steal. And then Zionists kind of fucked up our M.O. It's the lying. I think it's the lying because there are certain Zionists who don't lie and who are just supremacists to your face and who are just like, this is how it is. Then there are others. The Kahan camp. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and, and ask any Palestinian and they will tell you that they prefer the ones who don't lie. Because sure. at, least, at least you're not gaslighting us. You are supremacist and that is what you are. And okay, fine. And you just, that's how you live. And, but you're not trying to simultaneously tell us that we are not being murdered by you. You're like, you are being murdered by me and that's fine. Okay. Yeah, they're celebrating. Exactly. In the last few months, we've seen the occupation intensify their lethal raids across the occupied West Bank, especially in Janine and Nablus, because of this resurgence of Palestinian armed resistance. It seems like the apartheid state is a bit worried that the PA is losing control over these areas of the occupied West Bank. And apparently they are now considering giving the PA more economic assistance than they're already providing so that the PA can strengthen its hold over Palestinians living in the occupied West Bank. So terrible news day for the PA, who once again comes out looking like Israel's lapdog, a just horrific institution for, for Palestinians. And I am looking forward to the day that it also falls in addition to the apartheid state, because both need to go hand in hand, off into the sunset. Inshallah. Yes. Let's talk about Kim at Food Benders. She is also doing some litigation. She's suing the JDL, which, as we all know, is a terrorist organization that was based in Toronto and has since dissolved as a chapter. They are actually Kahanists. They're like the type of people who are like, we should murder Palestinians. They threaten Palestinians in Toronto all the time. There's uh, Mir Weinstein, this weirdo dude who has like a broadcast where he often just threatens people, talks about Jewish supremacy. And so she is engaged in a suit with them right now. And there was a judge who was a part of her pretrial proceedings who literally has the surname Kahan. And I did a little investigation, and she is a Israeli and Canadian judge who was like seemingly handpicked for this proceeding. You know, I did a little sleuthing. I did a little unit 8200-ing like they do. And I checked out the like her Facebook friends list. And it's like a who's who of intelligentsia in the occupation. And so it's like, it's very suspect. It's just wild that there's somebody involved in a position of authority who is not only named Kahan, but has connections to the Zionist occupation. And they are involved in deciding aspects of procedure for a case that is largely about the Zionist occupation of Palestine. It seems like it would be a blatant conflict of interest. And we would just like to get more attention to the fact that it seems like our friend Kim is likely being set up to, you know, get fucked over in court because that's what they do. They install people in places of power and then they influence the decisions that happen. And that's why you have a motherfucking Marvel character that is named after the murder of Palestinians. Yeah, let's put it this way. If it's a coincidence, it's a very, very peculiar coincidence first of all how many cases are there dealing with palestine that are you know 
up at the the, the docket wherever this this proceeding is taking place in Canada. Probably not too many. Probably like one. Very few, I would imagine. Right. And how many of those judges are, you know, working within the Canadian judicial system are named Kahan? And speak Hebrew and like visit the occupation in their bio. Like pretty rare. Probably not too many, right? It's 100% a reason to recuse yourself as a judge. And the fact that she hasn't done that is highly problematic and really just shows what somebody who is willing to go up against these forces can face at every step of the way. It wasn't enough for them to destroy her business. Which they they did, by the way. They they actually did. did. I'm not talking about just financially either. Like they physically destroyed the property. They defaced the property. They broke windows. They intimidated her. They showed up with guys in balaclavas. You know what I mean? Like they did the absolute most because she put I love Gaza on her window. She had a, you know, a stance for Palestine in a city that is largely influenced by Zionists. And it wasn't obviously enough for them to threaten her, her life, her livelihood. I spoke to somebody who is familiar with Canadian legal proceedings, and they said that because this is the pretrial judge, that means that it'll be a different judge come trial. But I mean, if they've got somebody installed as a pretrial judge, it's likely going to be fixes in when the judge comes too, right? They can get to the pre-trial. The trial is no problem. Person told me that that was like that was going to like alleviate my anxiety about the situation. They're like, oh, well, it's going to be a different judge. It's like, oh, okay, that just means they can install two judges. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like I hate I, I hate lawyers for that reason sometimes because they're so like procedural. They can't even understand like why the bad thing that they just said. You know sure. what I mean? Like <laughs> sure. Shit on a bunch of lawyers. Like, oh yeah. I'm it's just everybody's gonna go hungry, I guess. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm totally fine. <laughs> like, with that. What? <laughs> warranted. You sound like a robot. Yes. Now you understand why I'm so literal. So last week it was announced that a colonial court in the apartheid state is extending the detention of Palestinian journalist Lama Roche, a mother of two, uh, and she continues to be held for alleged incitement through social media. Because, you know, when you're in apartheid state, when you are running and operating a settler colony, things like incitement through social media make sense to you. They are crimes, which must be punished by arresting those who are partaking in them. She was actually arrested when the occupation showed up to her house and took her away in front of her two screaming children who are five and three years old. The occupation, of course, also raided her home, you know, like they do every single time they pull out all the drawers, they turn everything upside down and they trash your house before they take you away in the back of an army vehicle. Remember when they broke all of the tablets and electronics in Iyad Bernat's house. Yes. He was meant to be on the podcast that week. And they were like, actually, you don't own a computer. Yes. And also they recently went back to Iyad Bernat's house and they re-rated it again because they are in this 
constant cycle of arresting his children, charging him money for their release, and then waiting a week or two and then rearresting them again. So the Bornoff brothers, we're still talking about it, are still trapped in this colonial system of continuing to be arrested and having their parents' house raided. No, for sure, Mohammed is still not released. Last I heard, Abdul Khalaq had been arrested again, was released, and then was arrested again. So I am not even sure, has he been released since the last time? I don't know. And I'm getting weekly updates from this family. As for Lama, she's 32 years old, a graduate student from Birzeit University, and is from occupied East Jerusalem. We saw images and video of her appearing at the colonial court with well-wishers telling her that they missed her, that they were waiting for her to come home. And of course, the two girl boss soldiers standing at her side. I just wonder, do these people feel fulfilled in their life, right? I, I don't know. I mean, to know that you've arrested this mother of two for, 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 for posting things to social media, things, you know, about her life and how you make it impossible for her to live and how you are in the process of ethnically cleansing her community and occupying her neighbor's houses and you arrest her for showing the world that, do you feel like you are doing something useful with your life? I don't know. The way they look in the camera, it's the same look as white people yelling at black people in civil rights photos. Yes. They look like they know they'll be documented and judged by history. Zionist took her phone and her computer. It is believed, of course, that her work as a journalist and her defense of the Sheikh Shadrach homes against the illegal takeover by Jewish settlers <clears throat> is the reason for this arrest. Completely brutal and uh, just totally in line with what you expect from the Zionist apartheid state. They're like, hey, we're actually being nice. We didn't murder her. What's everyone making? All we a- did was lock her up. Why is everyone making a big stink of this, right? So if you ever want to wrap Zionism up in an article to send to your friends who have no idea what the heck this whole thing is about, send them this recent article from the Haaretz entitled The Israeli Escape Room That Lets You Become a Palestinian Jailbreaker. It's difficult for me to even go through this. It turns out that the Zionists have turned the escape from Gilboa prison that was revered and celebrated by Palestinians and lovers of justice all around the world last year into an escape room. It is now a pay-to-experience activity as a, some sort of a form of entertainment. It's, it's, it's very, very strange, but the author of this of this article actually participates in this escape room and goes on to describe the whole experience and actually applauds it for being an authentic experience how would she know it's very strange it's so authentic we had to use spoons she writes that upon entrance into the escape room you are greeted with this sign that says will your escape end at the Janine refugee camp or with a return to Gilboa prison the escape room opened six months after the jailbreak they don't waste time they're like we're monetizing this struggle it's super crazy to think that like the target demo of the people who are engaging in this escape room are the same people who were like, find them and lock them back up. And murder them. They, they murdered yeah. like half of them. So she describes arriving and seeing a large group of teenage girls in three-quarter sleeves and long skirts giggling and pulling kifyas from their necks on their way out. Again, we're talking about Zionists who are 
playing dress up as Palestinians as a form of entertainment. Cosplay? You ever cosplay as the people you're oppressing? What is that, Michael? Is, Is that called something? A mental illness? Like there is, it's actually a phenomenon that happens in like on Turtle Island as well, right? There are white settlers who will dress up in like native garb and do like ceremonies and like try and recreate that type of like native setting, but they're obviously not. They're obviously appropriating culture. They're obviously disgusting. It's very, it's a gross thing to do because you murdered those people, you took their land and now you're dressing up like they're a costume. Well, this is exactly what's happening at the Gilboa prison escape room. The author describes how these girls have just taken a selfie with the pièce de résistance of the room, which is a mannequin dressed in a prison jumpsuit, slouched in a chair with his hands bound, wearing a kifia, on which there is a printout of the face of Zakaria Zubaydi. So basically, people are, for fun, taking photos of a makeshift scarecrow of Zachariah Zubaydi. Zionists are doing this for fun. Bizarre. Dude, they're so weird, bro. Every week we log on and it's like, couldn't get any weirder this week. And it does. So now she describes the escape room game has begun. We are now security prisoners at Gilboa after the initial prison break. Our goal is to find another way out and make our way to freedom in Janine. We are led past Zechariah into our cell, which is remarkably immersive. It has trappings of home, clothing, a prayer mat, pictures of children left behind, photos of the cities and towns from which we hail. It also has a toilet, which we are told in advance is just a prop. We had an incident, the owner explains, looking exhausted. Zionism is like a death sex cult. So basically, you know what I mean? They're like, they're like, tie me up, daddy. I'm trying to escape from prison. It's like, you guys are disgusting. But also we're going to shit in this fake toilet. And then we're not going to use a bidet. She goes on to say that the puzzles are delightfully challenging. The room is littered with brilliant clues and seductive red herrings. Yeah, but she has trouble drawing inside the lines. She also exclaims how some of the puzzles are even in Arabic, and she had to rely on her partner's knowledge of Arabic to get one of the puzzles right. She says there are audio recordings and videos meant to bring us further into the story to remind us that the Shin Beit is ever watchful. There are motion detection laser beams, which I dodge by thrusting myself across the floor on my belly like a slug. She's writing erotica. She's literally writing erotica. Hold on. This ends by her getting thrown into a van by a man whose face is obscured with a kifia shouting, yalla, ta'al, come on, let's go. Now the real escape begins. My partner and I are thrilled to have come so far. I'm clenching my teeth. I find myself hoping that we evade the police cars on our tail and that our getaway driver returns their fire. We step on the gas and fly through the roadblock on the way to Janine. So part of the escape room is that they go through a fake checkpoint, again, that they have set up for their own entertainment. Yeah. She goes on, I have languished in an Israeli prison cell for God knows how long, maybe 45 minutes, with the barest of necessities and a toilet that doesn't even work. 
I have to bribe the crooked guards and sit through polygraph tests and have my every action watched. I don't even know the charges against me. I just want to get back to Janine. This is a letter she's writing. It's <laughs> right. a, she sounds like a Civil War veteran. You know what I mean? So it's like I just envisioned her writing like, dearest Yeshua. And the, the, grand... the conditions are bad. Morale is low. <laughs> sorry. All right, go ahead. Sorry. The grand grand finale is when they arrive at the Janine market. We are euphoric. A woman in a hijab comes to offer a plate of sweets to the liberated freedom fighters. I think to myself that perhaps the acting could be better. I don't buy her as an Arab. As she slides along wow. the passenger, as she slides along the passenger seat to offer the driver a platter, she whips out a gun, an Israeli soldier in disguise. We've worked so hard to escape, and my partner and I breathlessly recount our exploits, our wits, our heroism. My former cellmate, who has done more than half a dozen escape rooms in the past, hails this one as one of the best. The immersion, the variety of puzzles, the mixed media elements, and attention to detail are all top-notch. Guys, this is our life. This is our life. I have an idea. If you are so amused by oppression and living under occupation you should occupy yourselves and go through this for real forever you don't have to do only an escape room this can be your life if you find this so amusing why don't you go to gaza (laughs) yeah yeah but but this is this is not um i want i thought i said maybe maybe this is satire right maybe this is satirical But then I looked up all the other articles that Linda wrote for the Hot Ritz, and this is not satire because she's a big Zionist. So when she says that it's shockingly exhilarating, she means it. She means it. She poses. Yeah, what she means is they electrocuted her. I don't know. Maybe. And maybe she was, maybe she found it so fun. She said, daddy. Daddy Zionism. Listen, I, I am not interested in their fetishes. And I certainly don't want to have to pay with my life and the trajectory of my entire life and that of my parents' life and my grandparents' life and all the generations of Palestinians whose lives have been destroyed by Zionism for their weird fetishes. I feel like I'm good. What is yeah, this? Yeah, it's disgusting. What is this? Why what is this fascination, this obsession with us? You want to be us so badly that you are using your free time to play dress up as us in circumstances where we are the most oppressed by you. Like, this isn't even like, we're going to dress up like Palestinians and like have a party. This is like, we're going to dress up like Palestinians when they have, when they are literally, when they have been languishing in colonial prisons for their entire lives when their families have been killed when their entire life has been committed to this resistance struggle against us because they have no rights this is like a different level of appropriation and cosplay we're not we're not trying to be you in your best moments we're trying to be you when we're oppressing you because we find that entertaining this is olympic level fetishization right because it's like regular palestinians don't even interest them anymore like they can't come from regular sex they need like yes they need something more you know so that's why they are fetishizing and cosplaying palestinians when they have been like so fully oppressed by the occupation that they've become lionized as idols of resistance. 
And it's like, that's the only time they can come. And what did you tell me? This is why they pull up couches to watch the bombs drop on Gaza. A hundred percent. It's it's just more of that. But now it's interactive, right? Now you're not just watching the bombs, but for this fun. is VR porn for them. Yeah. Like they they need this. <laughs> it's a sickness and it's a sick society. They need help, Michael. They need they need a lot of help. And you know, yeah. I just got this from the hot ritz. I didn't make this up. I'm just I just read you an article that exists that I didn't even have to embellish. I, I didn't do anything here. I just read it. That they published willingly. And yeah. And, and nobody was like, you bet you gotta do this. They did it on their own. The comments are just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Somebody wrote, this crass author and her crass editors and the crass participants described revealed way more about Israelis than they realized. This article is cringeworthy. Disgusting dehumanization of people as the other. Shame on you. The author and her friends are so indoctrinated in their own racism and stupidity that I'm sure they had a grand old time recounting this experience. I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be anywhere near as funny if it was Jews breaking out of the Warsaw prison in Poland. Meet the never again crowd. Disgusting. How low? Fire. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So actually all of the comments on this article were, this is a travesty. Can you imagine if Klansmen wrote an article about cosplaying as enslaved people? They're like, you should try this escape room we just started. Check us out. <laughs> right. Oh my God, you should do way more bits with that accent because that's hysterical. I'm going up north. Oh my God, you do a good redneck. Check out our website, www.palestinepod.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and find us on Patreon www.patreon.com slash palestine pod that's been another episode of the palestine pod thank you all so much for listening have a great day Do-do-do-do-do-do.